are we? Uh, continuing from Daf Chav Zayin Amid Aleph. Right, we're already uh, adopting the Parak, Baruch Hashem. Uh, but the truth is, the whole, basically the whole first Amid and a half. Are, uh, uh, yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's messed up, it's gross. Switch chair, son. Um, right, the whole first Amud and a half is literally just one long Mishnah. Right, so the Mishnah itself is not hard to understand, it's very simple, and for those who were here the last uh, few shirin we did, uh, you saw that a lot of this parak has to do with the times that we find ourselves in, in terms of the three weeks, Shabbat uh, Shabbat, Tishabab, and whatnot. Now the context of what we're learning right now is talked about in the Mishnah uh, with a little bit of length. We're going to go back a few lines in the Gemara to give us a little bit more context, and through what we saw, I'll explain... I'll explain uh, the things that you need to know moving forward. I'm not going to yell at who that is, but we'll try our best. Um, right, so the Gemara, we're on the fourth line, we're on the fourth line from the top, where it says the two dots, Eluhein Ma'amados. Right, it's quoting the Mishnah, where it says, Eluhein Ma'amados. These are the Ma'amad, these are the, the gatherings. Right, what for the Mishnah says, these are the gatherings. In the Fishad Amalek, the Pasik says, Sabbath in Israel, command Am Israel to bring the Korban. So what the quote in the mission here is talking about is saying that there's a time there are a couple of time periods of the year that people go up to, to Yushalayim to the base of Megdash, the Kohanim, Levim, and Israelim. And when they're there, the Israelim and the Kohanim and the Levim are all davening for the Korban to actually be uh, accepted by Hashem and whatnot. Right? So the way the Mishnah phrases it is very strange. So the Gemara asks. What is the Mishnah trying to tell us? Right, when it starts off by saying, when it starts off by saying that these are the Ma'amados, you think, you would assume that it's someone of an introduction to explain what they are, but then it goes into explaining the, the puzzle. Right, it seems to be lacking here. So it says, what does it mean to say? How is it written? The Gemara says, this is what it means to say. These are the Ma'amados. And what is the reason that they actually instituted these Ma'amados? The Pasuk tells us, Command Am Yisrael and tell them that my korban, the, what you're going to bring for me, my food, etc. Is that from Nasa? It's from Pinchas, we read it a few weeks ago. Is it in Nasa also? No way. Has to be. I read that in my room so far, so I promise. <laughs> and how can it be? It's Rosh Kodesh. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's why I know yeah. the Okay. Very good. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and how can it be that a person's korban is going to be brought in the base of Mikdash and he won't stand with it? Right? Because the korban in Tamid. Is a carbon that comes from the money that Am Yisrael all donated from the Machzir Shekel. So how, right? So it's a collective carbon. So how could it be that the carbon that I'm bringing essentially that I have a part in, I'm not there for it? So the earliest Nevi'im, we're going to see soon who they were, instituted to have 24 different watches, 24 different groups of Kohanim. And for every single Mishmar and Mishmar, there was a gathering in Yerushalayim. They came to 
when the time of the Mishmar, when the time of the watch, the shift of the Kohanim to go up to the base of Megdash, Kohanim and the Kohanim and the Levim would go up to Yerushalayim and daven for the Korban. Meaning for every single, right, there were only a certain amount of Kohanim. So they split up the Kohanim based on their families to have a certain week of the year that they did the Avod in the base of Megdash. So when it was their Mishmar, right, it was called Mishmar, when it was their Mishmar to go to the base of Megdash, then the people of the Ma'amah that accompanied them would go with them as well. The Kohanim and Levim would accompany them as well. There's a Machokim and the Rishonim, that means that also the Israelim went with them to the base of Megdash too. Right? Uh, some opinions say that they actually went there, and some opinions we're going to see very soon said that they all stayed in the city of Yericho and gathered in their own cities. Yeah, strong. Wait, you, you said the Mishraim were like Kohanim? Yeah. So why would Kohanim go with the Mishraim? Because the Ma'amad, right, that, uh, these gatherings, together you would take people that were also Kohanim, Levim, and Israel. Right? You want representation of all of Am Israel here. So, so it's Kohanim that aren't a part, it's not their shift to go up with them. To do but the also. But they would go also to be there, meaning to daven and to take part in in representing Am Israel to be there for the Korban. If that makes sense. Right? We learned in Abraisa. There were 24 Mishmaros in Israel. And 12 in Yericho. Which is also having to be said in Israel. So the Gemara asks, Could it be that there are 12 Mishmaros in Yericho? The fish in the Utuba, that makes it 36 Mishmaros, not 24. If there are 24 overall, and then you're adding another 12, that's 36. In the fish in the Utuba, there are, there are many more than the number we originally said. Rather, understand that the 12 of the 24, 12 of them, 12 of them, were in Yericho. When it was time for the Mishmar to go up to the base of Megdash, then half of the Mishmar, half of the Mishmar would go up from Israel to Yerushalayim, and half of the Mishmar would go to Yericho. Why would they go somewhere else? Why would they go to Yericho? In order to support, in order to, to help bring water and food to their brothers in Yerushalayim. There's a Machlokas Rishonim right here that, at, that it's not really a Machlokas, but it's uh, the Me'iri points out and says that the half that stayed in Yericho would switch off midway through the week with the half in Yerushalayim. That way, everyone would have a chance and opportunity to serve in the base of Megdash itself. Right? Because the other ones that were stayed in Yericho, they would, they would get the supplies, they would get the food and drinks ready for them for Yerushalayim, for the Kohanim that were there. All three classes of Israel, all were all. If they were not all there, they would hold back the korban from being brought. Meaning, there's a halachic obligation for them to all be found there. They're ma'akev. If they're not there, the korban can't be brought. Which I think again speaks to the importance of having representation of all of Israel at the korban tamid, right? Uh, Tana, we learned in a different price. Uh, we learned in a Mishnah. Specifically, the Kohanim and the Levim and the musical instruments are what hold back the Korban. Right? That they give validity to the Korban. So, what is the point of their Machlokas? Right? What's the Svara? Because clearly we're seeing Shmuel saying that you need uh, the Israelim. And here we're seeing uh, Rishim ben Elazar says that what's the 
point, the breaking point, if the carbon is kosher or not, if you're allowed to bring it, it's tafka the instruments. Why is that? What's the point of the machlokes? Omar explained, one master said, that the main way of singing is through the person's mouth, meaning the vocal cords, not anything else. And the other master holds, that the main aspect of music is specifically through is specifically through uh, instruments as well. So the Gemara continues. Amarav, Rav says, Amarav, Chama Bakuria, Chama Bakuria said, Amarav in the name of Rav. Moshe Tikenem Nisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu instituted for Am Yisrael, Shmona Mishmarot, eight Mishmaros of Kohanim, Awa Merazal, four from the family of Elazar, the Awa Mitamar, and four from the family of Itamar, right? Who were Elazar and Itamar? With Tanakh trivia here, who are Elazar and Itamar? Elazar Kohen, Itamar is his brother, who is their father? Aro, right? <laughs> Not going to call you out, the recording. Uh, right? So Moshe Abinu was metaking eight Mishmaros, four from the descendants of Elazar and four from the family of Itamar. Bashmuel and Shmuel and came, Vemidan al and he and he instituted for there to be, and he set the number at 16. Since the Kohanim grew, right, there were so many new Kohanim all these generations later, that now eight weren't enough, it was 16. came, and he added an additional eight, and, and set the number at 24 Mishmaros. Shenemalik, we learned in the Pasuk in Divrei Ayamim, if I remember correctly, where it says, the 40th year of uh, David's Malchus kingdom. Right, in the 40th year of David Malchus' reign of his kingdom, they, they found amongst them mighty men of valor in Yazar of Gilad, in the specific region of Yazar, which was in Gilad. The Gemara asks, based on, based on Rav Chama Bar Gurya, quoting Rav, Meitve, we learned, Meitve, the question was asked, Moshe Tikenem Neisrael Shmonet Mishmorot. Moshe Rabin was the one that instituted eight Mishmaros. Four from Elazar and four from Yitamar. So far, so good. No question. But here is where it gets tricky. David and Shmuel came together. And they instituted there to be 24. They set the number at 24. Right? The Pasuk tells us right, that it was them who established David and Shmuel for all time. In the first b'risa, according to Rav, it's not a b'risa, right? According to Rav, it seems like it was a gradual step. It was Moshe, Shmuel, David. Here it's skipping from Moshe to David and Shmuel together that it's 24. What happened? This is what he means to say. From that foundation of David and Shmuel together, and that's when they instituted, that's when they set the number at 24. The Pasuk isn't coming to, to disregard what Rav is saying. On the contrary, it's saying, no, this is the foundation that they set. And together, their foundation eventually led to the number 24. Rav is expanding, Rav is showing us how that number came to be by showing all the steps. The Bryce is, is just skipping the step, not because it didn't happen, but because, but it's just giving you that last final product, seemingly. Right, Tanya Yiddish, we learned in a separate b'risa, in another b'risa. Moshe instituted there to be 16 mishmaros. 
Shmona Menazar, eight from Elazar, Shmona Mitamar, and eight from Itamar. Right, you need a little bit of math right here. It's not hard, but very, but at least a little bit of a math head. I know it's a late hour to try figuring out math, but it's very, very simple, I promise. When the family, right, when the sons of Itamar, of Elazar, grew significantly more than the sons of Itamar, they split them up, excuse me, they split them up and instituted there to be 24 mishmaros. We learned in the Pasuk again in Divrei Ayamim. I'll read it so, right? Uh, like we learned in the Pasuk that says in Divrei Ayamim, where it says, And the descendants of Elazar were found to be more numerous than the men, the cap of the men of the family of Itamar. The Pasuk continues, So they divided them, that again, the descendants of Elazar, to be 16 heads of the families, right? To have 16 figures. And for, the, and for the families and for the offspring of Itamar, they only had fate, eight family heads, right? Only eight mishmaros. And, and it continues, even though here we have clear proof, but it's giving us an additional pasuk that the Gemara is going to ask us about very soon. And we say further in one extra family unit we find for El Azar. And for Itamar, every unit was a unit. Meaning what it's saying is as follows, that for every Mishmar that Elazar added, then it multiplied for him. But for Itamar, it stayed the same. So what's the math on this? Very simple. If they both started out as eight. 16 and eight, right? I told you, not hard math. We could even do it at 1040. So Itamar asks, really we didn't need this last puzzle, right? Because the Psukim beforehand gave us shot saying, no, no, we see that Elazar has 16 and Itamar has 8. Why do I need this additional puzzle? My Vilmer. Why does the right to say, and furthermore, it says? Right? The right to says the word, Vilmer, and furthermore, it says. We don't need that. If you want to tell me, that just as the family of Elazar increased, so too I would think that that the family of Itamar also grew. They also increased. Maybe originally they weren't eight, they were really four. Tashma, come and learn. The Pasuk says it very clearly, the last Pasuk. That every extra family unit for Elazar Right, and every unit for Itamar was an actual unit. The number didn't increase. So Gemara says, based on this, we see clearly we see two different brayzos that seemingly contradict. Rama, uh, excuse me, this last brayzos seems to contradict uh, Rav Chama Bar Guria very clearly. Why? Because Rav Chama Bar Guria said, "How many did Moshe Rabbeinu institute originally? Eight. Eight. What did this brayzos say? Sixteen. 16. Right? This, this, is a, this is a strong proof, this is a strong question against Rav Chama Bar Guria. How does he answer this? Rav Chama Bar Guria says, It's really a machlok as Tanaim. And I say like the Tana that holds what? That he says that there were eight Mishmaros. All together for Moshe, not 16. 
we're moving on. Tano Rabanan, we learned in a brisa, Arba Mishmarot Alu Minagola. And again, we're very much in the times right now. There were seventy years, there was a seventy year period between the first Korban based on Megdash until the building of the second based on Megdash. Right? Seventy years. Now, if you learn, this is just Pshat and Tanakh, if you learn Tanakh and Ezra and Nechemiah, when they brought people back from the Gullahs from exile, most of the wealthy, most of the well-off Jews, even the like, more from stark guys, didn't come back. The ones who came back were either pioneers that really felt like they wanted to be involved, and they believed in what was going on, or it was a lot of low lives. Honestly, it was like a lot, most of the people that came back were not like of good stature. It was people that needed out of their situation, they were lacking money, whatever it was. Right? And yet there were a few families that came back that, that took the reins and they, they were very meaningful. And we're going to see how true it is here. We learned in Ebrahisa, Only four out of the 26 original Mishmaros came to Israel. Four out of the 24. Right? Four out of the 24, only four Mishmaros came up to Israel, right? Made Aliyah to Israel after the exile in 70 years. Bedwahen, and we know the names of the families. Yedaya, family of Yedaya, family of Charim, Pashchul ve'imer. Right? Those are the four names. Yedaya, Charim, Pashchul ve'imer. The prophets amongst them, the Nevim amongst them, that were in Israel, got up, that he separated them and divided them and made them into 24, meaning they wanted to still split up each of these four families, each family into six, right, to get to 24, and because again, the number 24 was very important, right, again, why is the number 24 specifically important in this instance, uh, I think, and again, I, I, it's just off the top of the cuff here, um, I think because it just works out that then every family doesn't need to be worked to the bone. Right? You have like a set order. If that means it's 24, typically that means if no family is doing it more than twice or three times a year. Right? Which makes sense. Glalum, uh, they mixed up. Right? They, they wrote down every family. They mixed up the names of every one of them and they put them into a lottery. Yedaya himself came and took his portion, and the portion of the rest of his friends. Overall, shesh. Overall, six heads of family for, from the descendants of Yedaya. Bacharim, Harim came, he took his portion and the portion of his friends. Shesh, again, overall six. Same happened with Pashkor and same happened with Imar. And here's the kicker. And the Nevim amongst them, made a decision, right, they made a condition amongst themselves, that even if the family of Yadib, Rosh Mishmarot, who is the head of all the Mishmaros in the first base of Megdash, he comes up to Israel, Yadaya will not be pushed off of his stature at this moment. Rather, Yadaya will be the main head of all the Kohanim, all the Mishmaros, Yadib is going to be secondary to him. Now, if we look at Rashi, Right, we don't do every Rashi, just because uh, of a lack of time. But this one I think is very important. The Rashi where it says Lo Yidache Yedaya, right? Lo Yidache Yedaya. Rashi here explains this, right? Since originally in the beginning, Lo Alayo Yariv, Yo Yariv decided not to come. He was too comfortable in Babel. Was, he didn't need to put himself out there. 
אלא כל משמרות הנעשות מידעיה, therefore, all the משמרות that are done under ידעיה's jurisdiction, קודמות לעבודת יריב. All come before the avoda of Yehoyariv. Yehoyariv only could come afterwards. Right? Yehoyariv only could come and work after them. Only under a different mishmar. And then Yehoyariv will come and they'll just... limit themselves into becoming five mishmaros and not six, that way no other family needs to take a hit from it. Right, but you're seeing a tremendous value here. Right, when you go out of your comfort zone, that's where you're going to have the most growth. Right, the Gemara and Nidarim, you were there last night, so you heard this. Right, the Gemara and Nidarim, the Chos HaLoh's quote, where he says that you don't use the Torah to gain your own, right? You don't do it for the wrong ulterior motive. Right, but what does the Gemara there say at the end of the Darim that he quotes? He says that if you do it for the right reasons, eventually the kavod is going to come. Right, the kavod is going to get there. The Gemara in the Darim says it flat out. But if you go into it with the ulterior motive, then you're going to lose everything. But here I think it's the same thing. Yo, Yarev had the easy shot. He had the easy goal to, to and he took that path. Maybe he didn't believe the Bishnah was really going to be built. Maybe he was too comfortable out there. He didn't put himself out there. Yedaya put himself out there, all these four families, and that's why the Gemara is talking about them specifically. They took the heart out, and that's why till today people are learning their names. How many more of the Kohanim Mishmaros do we know their names even, historically, right? I think the Gemara here is telling you something very unique and very deep about this. We need to put ourselves out there. Yeah, right. So, so why Yedaya and not the other family? Like, like why does Yedaya Dabs uh, like work in the Vitamintash only come after Yedaya as well? Because um, I think we still give him somewhat covered, right? Because Rashi quotes by saying, um, right, the Rashi right before, right? And I think he gives us a little bit of insight and hopefully he can answer your question. That even though Yariv was in the first place on Megdash, at the end of the day, he was still the first of all the Mishmaros. He was the top. He was a top guy. Even if he comes up, then we're not going to take. Then we're not going to take Yedaya off, right? But we can't push him too far down because there still is. We still are valuing who he was before him. That makes sense. Meaning, as much as as much as we we value you know, Yedaya and all the rest of the families. There's still something very important, and the statement is, is at the end of the day, even though really he deserves to be first. Yo-Yarev deserves to be first. But why Yedaya specifically, like the other The doesn't tell us why Yedaya, but I think the fact that the Brysa is putting him first in the list of the four says something about him, right? Historically speaking, I, I don't know, the Gemara isn't telling us this, and, and I've never seen anywhere explain about him compared to anyone else. But clearly, there was a certain level of value and respect that he had that put him at the at the front of this list uh, in the Brisa. Uh, should we continue a little bit further or we want to stop here? You guys tell me. Good to continue. Okay, so let's try getting to the Tanra Rabbana on the last thin line. Okay, you guys see where that is? We'll try going there. It's a late hour. And for the Chavra that are not here, I don't want them to miss too much right now. So we learned, again, the Gemara now is quoting uh, the next part of the Mishnah, right? That's what these two dots here are. Right, in the Mishnah we said, and the, and the Jews of that Mishmar, 
would gather in their own cities, and they would learn the Pesukim of Masa Bereshis. And we explained why that is. Right? We explained because at the end of the day, if we're davening and we're trying to gain respect from Hashem, right, like one of the ways to get there is by having chizuk. And part of the chizuk is, is, is the deep belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the more we understand how involved he was in creating the world, the more we could actually see uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu everywhere. Right, we talked about this at length when we learned the Mishnah, so I'm not going to get so far into that right now. So Mara says, where do we know this from? How do I know that this is what they did? That they would get together and they would read the Psukim of Masa Bereshit. If it was not for the Mahamados, the fact that they brought the Kohan, right, the fact that they brought the Karbanos, right, then the heavens and earth would not exist. They wouldn't be able to remain in existence. And Avram said to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, right? And Avram said to and Avram said to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, God, how am I going to know that I'm going to inherit Eretz Yisrael? Amar Avram, the Gemara explains, well, what's this conversation? What's Avram here saying? Master of the universe, maybe Am Yisrael are going to sin before you. What's going to happen then? Are you going to do to them what you did to the generation of the Mabul and the generation of the dispersion, meaning Migdal Bavel, where Akhar Zbarfu dispersed uh, all of the population of the world in different places? Akhar Zbarfu said no. Akhar Zbarfu goes back and says to him, it's wild. Akhar Zbarfu master of the universe. So the editor of let me know how I'm going to inherit it. Right? How do I know? That you're going to hold up to this, which is crazy that Avram said this. Like a chutzpah. Amalei HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered Avram and said in the next passage, in Lachacha, Chali Eglam Shuleshet, take three calves, the Ez Meshuleshet, and three goats, and bring them as korbanos. Amalei Fanav Avram said, we want to show the Ram, Tenach Vizman Shabbat Amigdash Kayam, this would make sense, this is fine for a time, the base of Amigdash is around, right? Because that's when they could actually bring korbanos. At the time the base of English is not in existence anymore. What's going to happen to them? I already instituted, I already set in stone the order of Korbanos. Meaning, and the Parshios in Bamidbar that talk about the Korbanos. At the time that they read them before me, when they're learning about them, I consider it before me, as if they mamish brought the korban. And I forgive them, for every single one of their averos. That's a wild thing, Kodesh Baruch Hu, even though we don't see it today, even though we do not have a base of English today, Kodesh Baruch Hu is giving us an out. Like, not an out, Kodesh Baruch Hu is giving us a way and he's teaching us how we can actually connect them in the same level. Right, the word korban comes from the word of karov, of being close. Right, the goal of bringing korbanos is for us to be close to Hashem. So Avram Vinu is essentially asking, how could they get close to you, right? Because every time we do an Avera, it's like we're putting up a sheet of rock, we're putting up like a sheet of metal between us and Hashem, right? Our hearts getting covered a little more. How do we get there? Are you going to punish them again where, where they can't stay in this world? And he says, no, when they learn Torah, at the end of the day, when they're learning the Torah of the Korbanos, that brings them close to me. There's an added element compared to any other Torah learning of bringing them close to me. Shkayash.